Greetings. Welcome to episode two of Erasable, the world's first and only pencil podcast. Um, today we're going to do the pencil glossary episode, which we've titled A Feral to Arms, since I think we're all Hemingway fans. Um, tonight we're going to give you everything you need to know about pencils, everything you've wanted to know about pencils, the anatomy of pencils. So when we talk about terms like ferals and erasers and cores, you know what we're talking about. Plus, I always say lead, and that can get confusing. This is Johnny from Pencil Revolution. Uh, I'm joined by the man that puts the muscle in wood clinched, Andy Wellfley. Yeah. And the quartermaster <laughs> of the writing arsenal, Tim Wilson. No, oh, that was nice. Hello, guys. That's a, that's a really good job. You're going to be rivaling uh, uh, iMike pretty soon on the <laughs> Penetic. I'm going to talk like this. <laughs> You'll be okay, our Brit. So I thought we could start with uh, the tweet. Yeah, that came up on uh, Twitter. Tweet on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we um we got it. We got. I mean, oh man, so much feedback. I this is this is Andy from Woodclinch, by the way. Just in case you don't know our voices, um, we got a lot of feedback after that first episode. We had a bunch of subscribers, a bunch of people tweeting us their pencil purchases. That was pretty awesome. I like it when we can affect people's wallets. Uh, we're officially <laughs> enablers. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> Although, as I pointed out. Uh, I think that uh, Brad Dowdy is a much worse enabler because there are no such thing as $24,000 pencils. Yes. <laughs> Although I don't know if anybody has bought any of those fountain pens. <laughs> so anyhow, um, we got a, treat, a tweet from uh, Luke Lee, at uh, Durden20, um, who said that uh, he enjoyed the first episode. I have a question for the next episode, which is this one. Uh, what tools should I use to turn a wooden pencil into a replacement for a space pen? I always write in pencil but carry space pens with my field notes because it's smaller, doesn't discolor shirts, etc. And kind of similar to that, we just had a little bit before we started recording a tweet from uh, uh, Mary Collis, who um, I think she does, a, she has a blog, it's from, from the Pen Cup is her blog mm-hmm. um, at WordPress. And she said, um, do you carry wooden pencils or just leave them at home and some, some at home and some at work? Aside from bullet pencils, they're kind of tricky to carry. Advice. So uh, I guess, and I'll, I'll, I think we should all kind of weigh in here, but I think that, uh, that Mary kind of hit it. I, that's why I really like my Midori bullet pencil. That's kind of the one that I carry in my pocket. Um, I do have a, uh, an old, well, a new Blackwing that's been kind of worn down to about three or four inches that I put a cap on and sometimes carry that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for, for both of those, I think that the Midori bullet pencil is kind of the pencil version of the space pen. So... I yeah I think that's a super portable, um, super portable thing. Yeah, Tim, what yeah. about you? I, I do basically the same thing. I don't have a, or I don't carry a bullet pencil usually. Uh, I actually just got some for the first time, and I guess I can just talk about this now. But I, it was part of my you know follow up. What I wanted to bring up something cool that I found. But as far as bullet pencils go, you can buy them on eBay. You can get these uh, old advertising bullet pencils, which Andy, you've you've written about a lot and you've posted about a lot. I know you're a big fan of those. Oh yeah. They're so, so cool. I picked up a pack of, I think it was seven, seven bullet pencils. These old ones, uh, off of eBay. It was like 12 bucks. They showed up in a box that smelled like cigarettes, which, <laughs> <laughs> which went away, uh, thankfully. But anyway, so I have these vintage ones, which are just really cool. And they really functional. They're cheap. Uh, but the erasers are dead on them. I know there's some ways to revive those, but I actually found, a guy through, actually, I think it was through Mary Collis. She posted a, a picture. She had, I believe it was Mary Collis. I hope I got that right. But she posted a picture on Instagram 
of a restored bullet pencil from a guy. It's a store on Etsy called Huckleberry Woodchuck. Mm. And it's really cool what he does. And he, he'll take these old bullet pencils. He'll put a new, brand new functional eraser. He'll clean them up, kind of polish them up. And he outfits each one with a Palomino Blackwing 602. Oh, wow. Which is really awesome. Yeah, he, and you can actually buy refill packs from him, too, where he takes – it looks like he takes one 602, uh, uses a nice saw, he cuts it in half. And so you get two inserts plus two erasers. It's really cool. So everybody should check him out. He's a real, I emailed with him a little bit. He's actually from around here, from East Tennessee, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Uh, but that's, that's, that's a great option. And I'm sure we'll talk about him more when we actually have our bullet pencil episode because I'm sure we'll talk about that for a while <laughs> down the road. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but and what it, I, everybody listening, we'll, we will have links to this in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And the thing I do 90% of the time when I'm, carrying a pencil around is just like you, Andy, I, I, whenever I work a pencil down to about three or four inches, I put a cap on and then carry it in my pocket. And I use uh, the General's Save-A-Point caps a lot. Uh, you can get them at Michael's. That's where, that's where I got mine. It comes in a pack of like 10. And then I also sometimes use these Tombow caps that you can get on jet pens. And they, if you actually carry more than one, you can use them to clip the pencils together, which is kind of neat. So, uh, but that, that's usually what I do. And most of the time it is uh, either uh, Palomino Classic or the uh, 602. Awesome. So what about you, Johnny? Uh, I go through general point, uh, save a points like once a week that'll split and I have to get a new one. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was sort of my major thing. And for a while I was carrying that um, uh, that big fat coom thing that looks like a Faber-Castell perfect pencil. Oh, yeah. But um, it's just so fat. Yeah. It's like poking mm-hmm. me in the leg. So uh, lately I've been so lazy, I've been walking around with one pencil on me, stuck in the uh, Faber-Castell Perfect Pencil, the cheap green plastic one. Hmm. It's been working out lately, except that I only have one pencil on me, and sometimes you're like, no, I want something different. <laughs> but uh, if I put a number, uh, a 2B uh, Castell 9000 in there, that usually works out. And the sharpener in there is really nice. It has a nice angle. Hmm. Yeah, I, the uh, Kuma's a little, little blunt. Yeah. I have um, just an old, like, you know, stainless steel just cap that you put on it that I got when I wrote for pencil things. Nice. And nice. I, I've had like three of them and I've lost all but one of them. <laughs> and actually that one left is currently lost. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking around for it. <laughs> I think they sell them at Dick Blick, but the shipping is like astronomical. Yeah. I'll, like uh, here, $1 for your thing, $9 for shipping. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm in Chicago, I'll try to hit up a, a Blick store. Yeah. See if they have them there. I love those that place. What's the similar store? It's like kind of a sister store. You um, track, yeah. They yeah, have Utrecht. a sort of partnership. Yeah, Utrecht's I'm gonna be. I'm gonna small. get to go to one of those for the first time Ooh. next week. I'll be down in Atlanta. I found out that I'll be within like two miles of one. So oh, I'm gonna yeah. go. Oh, hit that up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, they have nice Faber-Castell stuff. Cool, cool. So both Mary and Luke, I hope that that answers your question a little bit more. Um, and uh, if anybody else has a question. Um, Feel free to just tweet at us. Uh, we are uh, Erasable Podcast on Twitter. Um, or just leave a comment on the website, which is erasable.us. Erasable.us. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I actually thought of something else. Yeah. Uh, then I'm actually going to ask uh, Johnny to talk about it. But it's that the clip that you... Oh, yeah. That would help. That oh, would the help faultless set. clip. Yeah. And yeah. you can get those on pencil things, I think. But those would be cool. You should talk about 
pencil clips because that paired with a cap would be pretty cool. Yeah, I have a, a shortened black wing with a clip and a cap. But like whenever I pull it out, people are like, what is that? And I've talked about it for too long. So I just kind of like use it on the sly. I'm like, don't look at me. But uh, the faultless clip's nice. It has a really nice friction to it. So you don't have to actually squeeze the uh, round part around the barrel like you do on those ones that just look like a pen clip. Mm-hmm. The, um, the actual clip is a little on a little hinge and that holds it on the pencil. Mm-hmm. So it actually works. It's great. Those are cool. Yeah, but they're, they're kind of sharp. So they do poke you in the leg. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice trade-off. You can always clip it to your pocket. I actually own a uh, pencil holster as well. <laughs> for your um, belt? For, <laughs> yep, you, you, you put on your belt and there's like two little places where you just stick in a pen and a pencil. That's awesome. It is. Where did it, you get? This? It's sort of like your belt version of a uh, like a pocket protector. <laughs> it looks so so geeky. Um, <laughs> I I honestly don't remember where I got it. I think it may have belonged to my grandfather. Someone needs a Kickstarter these. Yeah. <laughs> maybe do some like uh, pencil specific fanny packs or something. Yeah. As well. yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of you know how like you know your dad will you know wear his cell phone on his belt. My dad does. <laughs> My dad does that too. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that, only like way, way geekier. I'll, I'll see if I can uh, model it and post a picture of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, should we move on to our uh, random points? We we probably should. <laughs> you want to go first, Tim? Yeah, sure. Uh, first off, just for a second, wanted to thank the guys over the Penac podcast again, because I think yes. a lot of our success uh, on that first episode was thanks to their kind words and their encouragement. So I think Absolutely. we should just take a second to uh, Yay. You know, Woo! send some praise to Caesar, as Johnny put it. Um, yes. <laughs> but that, that just meant a lot. So that, that's, that's helped out a lot. I think we've gotten a lot of uh, listeners and followers thanks to them. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike and Brad. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the only other, uh, one other thing I was going to talk about is we had last week we talked about our current number one, number two <laughs> pencil, and I have a new number one, number two, as far as something that I'm using every single day. And I just got my first set of the Palomino HB, the ones mm-hmm. with the eraser, the orange ones with the white eraser, mm-hmm. and I was blown away. These are so nice, and I just and they're not for some reason. It might just be a totally psychological thing that I don't. Uh, fear losing them as much which i bear, i don't remember the last time i lost a pencil but then like a 602 yeah um i just use it all day long i used it this week used it about halfway down used it at school every day uh this is actually a funny side note but every single day when i came into my third and fourth period class we have like double periods in my school there is some kid who every day goes to my desk picks up my palomino hb sharpens it in my classroom friendly sharpener and then puts it back on my desk <laughs> and i can't figure out who the phantom sharpener is but, so. somebody is scoring brownie points <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's sharpening my pencils so yeah or she yeah. but um but yeah it's a it's a fantastic pencil i had the b i have the b in the same one but in the new color mm-hmm. without the eraser and i really liked that but this uh the hb really is a nice pencil it holds a point really well and i know johnny's a big fan of you talked about the blue which is, I guess, yeah. the same pencil. Yeah, and that, uh, that blue is one of my very favorite colors of blue, mm-hmm. and and actually the um, the blue one with the eraser is kind of the the first pencil that I kind of fell in love with that made me interested in pencils again. Like you cool. know, after I got my sampler pack from Pencil Things, 
it was that one that I was like, holy crap, this is a really nice pencil. Yeah, that was yeah. my wife's favorite pencil. Yeah. Cool. Um, one thing, one other thing I noticed about it that kind of goes into my next follow-up point, or not really, I guess, follow-up, but just kind of random point, uh, is the, the I got some original Blackwing 602s. I got two yeah. uh, on Etsy. And this pencil, the Palomino HP, feels exactly the same. Hmm. Like, right as far as writing, it just feels like, as far as anything I have in my possession, it's the closest writing experiment experience to the original 602, which I thought was just kind of kind of cool that it just happened to be very close. And I, I think on the Blackwing pages, the the post uh, for one of a Blackwing where they're looking at what are the kind of replacements now that Blackwings aren't available as mm-hmm. far as the, the original one, and he I think he does mention this one on that post. So um, I guess he sort of feels the same way. He mentions it along with like ten other pencils, but. Your, your review, by the way, uh, Tim, is really fantastic. Um, guys, if you haven't seen it, go to the writingarsenal.com and check it out. But it's it's interesting because, you know, I hear a lot of people when they compare, you know, the new uh, Blackwings, uh, the Palomino Blackwings with the original Blackwings, um, they talk about how, you know, it's kind of a close writing experience or maybe it doesn't quite match, you know, the, the older traditional ones. Uh, but Tim, you actually liked the newer ones better than the older ones. I do, yeah, and, and I, sure. I just, I just think that was an interesting thing to talk to you about, just because it's not, I think, a very common opinion, mm-hmm. and not. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I sort of agree with you. I, I think they're kind of different writing experiences, and my trouble mm-hmm. is, is I'm just so much of a hoarder and a collector that <laughs> I barely ever use those original ones. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was yeah. when I, I, I noticed it right off the bat when I, I got these. Uh, in the mail, uh, they showed up. I sharpened them, started writing, and of course, it's an awesome pencil. The original six hundred two. I mean, I lo- I loved it, and it was really nice. But then I got to thinking. I mean, of course, I thought you know I really want to try it alongside of the new one just to see how they compare. If it's just a name, whatever. And as I wrote, I wrote like a full page with each of them, and it was just undeniable, like in my opinion, that I just preferred the new one, which kind of got my my mind rolling got me thinking about, uh, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that they didn't uh, recreate the 602 correctly? Like, is that a fault in it that it's actually different, no matter if it's better or worse? Uh, but then I just got to thinking about it even more and just I thought it was kind of a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that kept popping into my head is, I mean, I know there's not the, the different, uh, well, I guess the Camaro came, popped into my head, like this car that, was made for a long time, and then yeah. they stopped making it, and then I believe they started making it again. Uh, but if they hadn't improved on it over time, they'd still be getting six miles to the gallon. You know, <laughs> uh, there's some there's something said for keeping a very iconic name, uh, and maybe I don't know if it was intentional or not, but making it even better. Uh, yeah, I, and a lot of this, the whole write up revolves around my opinions on what I like in a pencil, of course. And the, the Palomino Blackwing 602 is, draws a darker line. And it, so that's just a big thing for me. And so I loved that. So yeah. I enjoyed writing it. It just felt uh, like it was good to just get it out there because I hadn't heard anybody, if anybody has those opinions, they've never actually said it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if... People. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
Uh, most of the people that have compared them were like already diehard fans of the old ones. You kind of knew where it was going to go. Yeah. Whereas like you obviously liked them both, so I don't know. I felt like yours was a lot more fair. Not that others were unfair. Yours was just more fair. Yeah, yeah. and I was I was being sen- sensitive to that because I I, yeah. I I put a little addendum in the middle of the the write up because I said something that I was just saying lightheartedly, kind of making it like a story or like people were reacting to me as I was writing, uh, which. I kind of noticed after the fact it might have been a little insensitive. Like I wasn't trying to say that people who prefer the old one and only the old one are wrong because it's not as good as the new one. That's not what I was saying. I I didn't want it to sound like that. Uh, I wanted. I definitely wanted it to, uh, to just be one guy's view. Yeah. That's you know. There's something in the name. Uh, one big point I came to in writing about this is that the world with a pencil called the Blackwing 602 is better than one without. And that's you know? that's a great point. Just like we wouldn't want to have, I don't think anybody would be opposed to somebody bringing back the name Mustang if that company went out of business, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or that line of the company went out of business. But I just, I just think it's, it's, uh, I appreciate that they took on the name and then have done it such a good service. Maybe it's not identical, but I just love that they still exist and you can still be part of history in that sense of all these great artists and writers that have used these pencils. It can keep going. Cool. Yeah, um, I'll, I think I'll just pause here and want to talk about the giveaway. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, we were so thankful for this awesome response that we got from the first episode uh, that we decided we wanted to give back a little bit and do a giveaway uh, and try to make it a big giveaway uh, in that we're going to have several winners. And so I was just going to explain how that's going to work, if that's all right with you guys. Please do. And then we can go get to Andy's uh, points before we get to our main topic and Johnny's too. Uh, but here's, it's a pretty simple giveaway. Uh, what we're asking of you all, our awesome audience, our very gracious and encouraging audience, uh, we're asking that you in the context, or sorry, in the comments at uh, erasable.us, erasable us. Uh, that you'd leave a comment, and in that comment, what we want you to do is to make a pencil-related pun on either a book title or a movie title. Uh, the The quality of your pun doesn't mean <laughs> you're going to win or lose. We're not going to say, no, that was dumb, so you're not going to win. <laughs> it's, it's all going to be random. We're going to use a, a random.org, random number generator, and once everybody has commented, we will pick six winners. And we'll have six winners and what the prize is, which is we're pretty excited about is there will be three packs of pencils, or I guess there'll be three different packs of pencils, two of each, and each one of the packs will be chosen by each of us. So there will be a Tim's picks, an Andy's picks, and a Johnny's picks. And, and specifically, that comment will, uh, that thread that you want to comment on will be erasable.us slash two. So that's what, for episode two. Yeah, so do you guys want to give a little hint as to what your, your pack's going to be, if you know? I don't know if anybody's... You know, for me, yeah. I, I haven't even... Go, like. I mean, I've thought about it, but I haven't really figured it out. I, I definitely want to have like, you know, an, at least a nice pencil in there and maybe oh, just yeah. Some, yeah. some interesting, <laughs> you know, some, some interesting older pencils or just like, you know, funny um, like novelty pencils or something as well. So I definitely mm-hmm. want to have something that's a little bit of a variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're definitely yeah. getting carpenter pencils for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Uh, I'm, I think I, I've got my, my list. I can just run through. Kind of, this is what I'm thinking for mine. Uh, if you get the Tim's picks, you'll get uh, a Golden Bear, Musgrave Testing 100, a Blackwing Classic, the black one, uh, a Forest Choice, a Murado, Black Warrior, Round Pencil, and a General Semi Hex. That's what I'm thinking at this point. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to enter I'll, to win yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, what, that's what I'll be thinking. And then, I mean, you know, maybe if I'm feeling. Uh, generous, I may throw in a Home Depot pencil or two. <laughs> One of those uh, little Ikea golf pencils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, I think what, what we were planning on doing for as far as deadline for the giveaway, uh, you've got all week uh, from when this posts to uh, put your comment uh, at it's erasable.us slash two. Is that correct? Yep, you got it. Okay. Uh, and then on the next episode, which will actually be next weekend because we want to do a special episode for uh, National Pencil Day. You know, we will choose our winners, and so we'll have six six winners announced, and then they will receive you'll receive your pencils via post, and I guess it, as opposed to email, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from wherever we are. So, and by the way, pandering to us on Twitter doesn't hurt either. Yeah, <laughs> bring bring it on. Yeah. We can handle it. Cool. So, so uh, you want to jump into your random points? Yeah. So uh, the first thing I kind of wanted, and actually, I only have I only have one on this list because I did talk to you a little bit about your Blackwing review, which I was interested in. Um, so I think we're all we're all Field Notes fans here. Um, yes. We've all used them. We've all talked about them a lot. And the uh, collection that was just um, just announced this week, I think, if you love wooden pencils. This thing is amazing because it is a wood-cased uh, field notebook. It's, it's the unofficial erasable podcast edition. Yes. <laughs> if I hey, if I could figure out how to go up to them and be like, hey, let's let's print this with the erasable logo on it. It so basically what what they did, which is seems kind of insane to me, um, is they've they've taken a big like American cherry wood cherry wood tree uh, log, and they've shaved it down so it's like literally paper thin. And they've mounted that onto a piece of craft paper uh, and made a field notes out of it. And so, like, all of the wood grain is intact. And, of course, like, you know, no, because wood grain is different, no two editions are, are the same. So it's, it's insane to me how they did this. And they even say in the blog post, um, their post about it, that uh, they don't think that this is anything that's ever been done in this, to this scale before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in, insane. It's called shelter wood. And they're selling it for the same price as um, as their just usual stuff, which is you know fifteen dollars for a pack of three. Um, ten dollars. What did I yeah. say? Fifteen? Yeah, ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, Nine ninety five. And I would pay fifteen. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you if you go onto the, their site, uh, which we'll have a link to in show notes, um, they post a little video with it. That's always you know a lot of fun. But they kind of really show the process, that. and it's it's amazing. So. I'll, I'll read this to you. Real... Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I watched that video with my 10 month old and he was totally fascinated by it. He oh yeah. Just, he just stared at it for when that, the full four minutes and was just, yeah. When that paper thin wood is just like, you know, just kind of wrapping up into just a, you know, just a, just a bundle. It's just, it's just incredible how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, it's, um, it's American cherry wood sliced ever so thin and bonded to a substrate of craft paper for durability. Um, the covers are left encoded, uncoded with uh, text printed in a triple hit of ghost flower white. 
which remains slightly opaque, the wood texture showing through like a faded whitewash fence, which is pretty amazing. So I'm Sawyer. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I I hate to say it, I'm really like you know drawn in by you know whenever anybody has a product that's they just put a lot of craftsmanship into it's it's kind of a kind of a hipster thing, but it's just like really interesting to see how people do it. And it's just I watched that video twice just in a row because it's so amazing. <laughs> So my, mine, are, mine are ordered and on their way. For some silly reason, I don't have the color subscription, which I really should, should do. Um, but yeah, this is definitely, I don't know if this is something that I want to put in my back pocket like my other field notes. I think this is maybe like a front shirt pocket type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, Ed Jelly, uh, if anybody follows him on his blog, he had a, uh, a review of it. I think he had the first one that I've seen. And yeah, and so I asked him a question and what he thinks about kind of the durability of those field notes and haven't heard back from him yet, but it should be interesting. So yeah, um, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to talk about this, this time around just because it has occupied most of my, my thinking for the last, <laughs> the, the last several days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hey, can I jump in for a second? Yeah. I forgot to mention something about the giveaway. Yeah. Um, we have come up with a new kind of convention for how we're going to name our episodes and that is why we're having you do these puns. I didn't. I didn't mention that. Yeah. That, uh, so we're going to you, steal from you. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're going to contribute to the show <laughs> because uh, we've started putting together a pool of pencil puns. Then they're all on books and movies, and it's just a lot of fun coming up with those. And we thought it'd be cool that if you came up with a title, or you you put some in there, and then it ended up becoming a title, we'll keep note of your name. And then if we use your title for an episode, we'll mention it. We'll say this is uh, this title was. Come up, uh, came from one of our awesome listeners, Listener X, uh, and so it'll, it'll be a way that you all can uh, contribute to the progression of the show. Absolutely. Would, that would be pretty cool. And if you want us to plug a website or Twitter, Twitter account or something like that, just put that in the, in the comment. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that, that was kind of my, my only point of follow-up. Um, so uh, take it away, Johnny. I am going to keep talking about these field notes. Yes. <laughs> It's the same paper they had uh, last year in the America the Beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah everybody yeah. hated it. But oh, really? It was like the best paper for pencil. It had a nice tooth. Yeah. I mentioned it on the Field Nuts website, and somebody was like, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean? That's great. But um, I was watching the video with my daughter, like Tim, and she's like mesmerized because I ordered her a pack. And she's like, I want to share them with mommy. <laughs> oh, no. These are going to disappear. You might want to share this set. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I, I like that, that paper because it has that sort of double line at the top. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of like old ledgers or something like that. Yeah, and some friends of mine used to, or their their father ran a wood company that was called, or their logo was uh, more wood. So I have a more wood pencil. <laughs> I feel like get some pictures of them together. Heck yeah! <laughs> nice. We used to play shows and we were teenagers wearing green shirts that said more wood on the back. <laughs> it was not our band name or related. It was just kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I have a Tinkerbell pencil in my hand that I've been using all week. And uh, it's something my daughter gave me. We found at Party City, mm-hmm. that party supply place. And uh, I think they're retiring this one because this pack was all Tinkerbell. And you guys don't have daughters, so there's all these Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell is one of many fairies in the Disney universe. And there are these movies, and it's this whole like, god-awful thing you get sucked into. <laughs> but uh, the new ones all have all the, the different characters. So like you know, this is this is my life outside pencil blogging, but uh, the one I have is like it's orange 
it's got a purple eraser. It's kind of hideous. It's one of those pencils Andy was talking about where the paper comes off whenever you sharpen it. Oh, the foil-wrapped ones? Yeah, but it's like the nicest pencil. Oh. It's, it's smooth. It retains a point well. So just reminded of uh, sometimes the crap pencils are really, really fun. Yeah. Plus it reminds me of my daughter, and that's always nice. Yeah. That should come first. Yeah, uh, I, I have four thing. little sisters, so I, I understand the... Oh, four sisters? My yeah, God. Four, four younger <laughs> sisters. So we played a lot of Barbies. We watched a lot of, of movies with Tinkerbell in them. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's a new one coming out next month. We're counting down. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to have a young James Hook. Oh. I shouldn't know Hook. all this stuff. <laughs> so the one more thing I wanted to mention was um, yellow rhodia paper. Yeah. Which I just discovered recently. It's like the best yellow paper I've ever used for anything. It's like perfect. So, mm. so I don't use, I don't really use yellow paper, but I use kind of uh, tan uh, manila paper. I have uh, a lot of, uh, which I think is a, a future episode, we should talk about some of our favorite paper, but mm-hmm. um, I use these uh, gold fiber ampads, they're called, yeah. and they have kind of that um, craft paper-like press board cover. Um, and and that's, kind of, that's kind of a... a like a tan beige paper, which I really love. But but tell tell me about you know the why you like a, a yellow paper. Well, um, I just kind of like yellow paper. Yeah. But the legal pads are always so. I mentioned all this in the, on my website, so excuse me if I'm repeating myself. But uh, they're always either too dark and you can't use a light pencil, or they're so toothy, you know, you use a black wing and it's dead halfway through the page. Yeah. Like, this is just frustrating. It's a smeary mess. But um, also. I noticed with this particular paper, uh, the last field notes, while they were really gorgeous and I used all six right away and I loved them, they flood coated the paper with uh, a dye and it sort of repelled the um, graphite. Hmm. And I heard other folks talk about it repelling liquid inks. So mine are full of like gel pens and space pen, and things I don't admit to using. Are you talking but, about uh, the um, Cold Horizon? Yeah, the Cold Horizon. Yeah. But this paper... Like I, tr- I tried it out for a long time. It's like absolutely identical to the white paper in its performance. Cool. And then it has like the subtle purple lines. It's perfect. I love it. That, that reminds I, me. I yeah, somebody just really, really blogged about the um, the new silver Rhodia notepads. They have silver. Yeah. Whoa. The uh, I'll oh. I'll try to find that link. I can't remember. It may have been on um, oh the We the People website. Um, I can't remember. I'll I'll find the link and post it. But it's pen paper it, ink letter. Yeah. It's a it's a white cover with silver letters. Wow. And it's the white paper. But yeah. Yeah, Rodia's Rodia's expanding. Is this yellow Rodia paper new? Um, yeah. I thought it was new, but it's not that new apparently. Huh. But it's new enough that I think they only have it in the number nineteen pad, mm-hmm. which is a really nice size. Yeah, but um, it kind of clashed with the orange cover a lot. I was thinking yeah. a white cover would look nice, but I didn't know they made white covers. That would be like perfect. Yeah, or even probably the black, the black, black cover. cover. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm a big fan of yellow legal pads. I'm using one right now, actually. <laughs> um, I've always been a fan of yellow paper, and so when I when I heard that was a thing, and that you can get them, I think you can get them on Amazon now, like ten bucks for a pad. I definitely want to try it out. I, it's funny every time I think of yellow legal pads, I think of the movie Slackers. Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a scene, and I don't know why I've always remembered this. Maybe it's because of my neurotic obsession with paper and pencils and things. But um, I watched it several a lot when I was in you know maybe middle school or high school, something like that. And there's a scene where Jason Schwartzman looks back at somebody who's holding a yellow legal pad and he said, I only use like yellow legal pads. It's easier on the eyes or something. <laughs> but so every time I pick up a yellow legal pad, I think of that Jason Schwartzman quote from that, from that goofy movie. But I, uh, I love Rodia. I, I discovered it at a, 
just a little college bookstore in Bloomington, Indiana. And mm. there's nowhere around Fort Wayne, like within a two-hour distance, can you really buy Rhodia. So I sort of just bought a bunch of them and just hoarded them. And <laughs> I've been buying more as I've seen them, you know, throughout the years. But they're a little five by nine. I can't remember which number it is, but the little, um, the little half page one is just just one of the best notepads that I use. Nice. Yeah, my daughter has a few. She likes to identify. That's a Rhodia pad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love the just things you post about your daughter. I think you're, I think you're brainwashing her. I think she's going to turn into a pencil blogger someday. <laughs> yeah, she she brought me something today, and I asked her if she wanted a pencil as a reward, and she wanted to go into the archives. She's like, I want one from in here, and she picked a really good one. <laughs> She's very proud. She said she wanted another Wopex, but she has like a whole pile of them. <laughs> so she picked a uh, USA Gold Naturals, which is a nice pencil. Oh, yeah. You're just mm. indoctrinating the children early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, shall we get into our main topic for the yeah. day? Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, somebody want to introduce it and then so while okay. I get my notes together well we were going to uh, do an, a glossary episode well we are, are doing a glossary episode because uh, when we talk about pencils and you say feral I don't think your average person knows what a feral is I didn't before I was into pencils and um, you know it answers the question how do you make a pencil and what is pencil lead made of if it's not made of lead so uh, this is our stab at that cool. and I think we're going to start with the eraser end with Tim Yes. On the back end, or eraser we'll slash cap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, yeah, the ferrule and the eraser is it's an interesting part of the pencil because, like Johnny said, people don't really know what to call that piece, that little metal piece. And I think it's it's actually kind of interesting because it's one of those few things that you'll come across in your daily life that you'll see all the time. That if somebody was to walk up to you and say, "What is that thing called?" you would just draw a total blank. <laughs> Most people would just say, uh, uh, I have no idea, the little the metal band, I, I, you, know, you just don't know what it's called because it's not a term that we even use very much. Um, but uh, the genesis of the eraser and the ferrule on a pencil is actually a very important part of pencil history for lots of reasons. Um, they've been around since about 1858, as far back as I could find uh, in any history documents, pages that I could find online uh, from my research. And the first patent for actually attaching an eraser to a pencil was by, by a guy named Hyman Lippmann in 1858. And he uh, got this patent on uh, a day, March 30th, 1858, which actually is why we have chosen, not we as in Erasable Podcast, but why <laughs> March 30th is set as National Pencil Day. It's a zeitgeist. Yeah, because of that first... Uh, that first pencil eraser meeting. That when that patent was set, that's that's why we do March 30th. So I learned that. Uh, that's why we have National Pencil Day. But in 1862, Hyman Lippmann actually sold that patent for $100,000, which is nuts when you think about it being oh, 1862. Yeah. That's a lot of money to a guy named Joseph Reckendorfer. And that patent uh, was used by Reckendorfer. Uh, he was going to try to make a lot of money off of it. Uh, but then, apparently, you know, within a couple of years, uh, Faber-Castell uh, started to make pencils with erasers attached to the end of it. Uh, and they didn't have this patent that he had bought for an insane amount of money from Hyman Lippmann. And so he sued Faber-Castell, which, correct, am, am I, was it called Faber-Castell at that point? It was oh, I don't know. That, that Faber... 
line changes so yeah. much. I don't know if that was. We really but, need a, to get Sean from the Blackwing Pages and Contrapuntalism on here to talk about yes, the history of that because he's kind of the best historian of Faber Castell that I've I've talked to. Um, well, but I think it, I think it was I think it was part of that sort of whole like Graf Faber von Castell you know castle yes. and and empire. So I, yeah. I think maybe it was. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm probably eighty five percent sure that that's right. But so he sued Reckendorfer sued Faber Castell for copyright infringement. Uh, and it was this big deal, made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And in 1875, the Supreme Court upheld Faber-Castell's case hmm. and r- ruled the patent totally invalid. And so when they ruled that invalid, then it was just kind of open game for all companies to use this idea and attach erasers to a pencil using you know, any, any means you saw uh, worked the best. So it was kind of an interesting little start to the whole uh, eraser history. Uh, so that's that's the that's the history part. That's as far back as I'll go now with history. But I was going to get into more of the details of what they're what they're made of. They're called maybe some famous ferrules that are different than just the general one you'll see on a standard pencil. But uh, the eraser itself, it's usually made of a synthetic rubber compound of some kind. Uh, you, they will add things to the rubber at times to make them stronger, make them last longer. Uh, and sometimes it's also made from vinyl, which I can't, I don't know, off the top of my head, I don't know a specific pencil that uses vinyl um, as an eraser. But I'm looking at a Field Notes pencil right now because it has some good info uh, on the back. And, oh, it just says uh, Enviro Green Degradable Eraser. So I'm not sure what they added to it to make it uh, actually degradable. I don't know if rubber is degradable on its own. I think most of uh, the... Vinyl erasers um, are like those. It's almost like you're holding a piece of plastic. It's those kind of, they're mm. like usually pure white and they kind of, yes. you know, rub off one pill when you hold them. Mm. But I, I can't think of one off the top of my head that's on a on the end of a pencil. Mm-hmm. They're moving away from vinyl these days because of the uh, environmental and health concerns. Yeah. So now like all of the new Mars say uh, PVC free. Oh, they cool. still work really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Moleskin's sort of gotten rid of that. On the totally off topic. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's usually made of rubber or vinyl. I guess mostly rubber, (laughs) more and more rubber. Uh, But the way the the process actually works, which is really interesting, is they they take this rubber, they mix it, they uh, form it into long these long strips. And from what I what I've seen, they'll cut it into a strip that's about three feet long or so. And then there's this process that's called vulcanization, uh, which they they use chemicals they treat rubber with chemicals in order to make it more durable and mm-hmm. so that it'll it'll last longer so, so they they will so they will live long and prosper yes exactly <laughs> that was thank well you. done thank you cheers thank you yeah. <laughs> um, and raised my coffee to you um, <laughs> so they they treat it make it stronger and then they'll actually cut it to its final size which is the little size that you see on the end of an eraser or on the end of a pencil uh, and they'll put it into large it looks basically like a dryer like a clothing dryer and it just tumbles them around and knocks them down so they have nice rounded edges they'll uh, put them in that machine for a while and that's how how that happens it's kind of one of those processes that seems way more simple than you think it would be (laughs) or or that you might not even thought they have to do Uh, but they they do that and that knocks them down to a nice rounded area you notice that they they always are you know there's rarely does a pencil have a sharp corner 
on a race, or sometimes they do, but usually they don't. But um, so they'll they'll knock them down this round edge, and then that's when they are attached to the pencil. They take them from that stage, and they uh, will place them into an aluminum ferrule. The ferrule is usually made of aluminum, uh, and there'll be a little bit of glue inside of the ferrule, which is then uh, pushed down onto the top of a pencil. Some some pencils, uh, the ferrule is attached to the barrel with glue. And then sometimes it's actually clinched on, like they pinch the sides so the the ferrule holds on nicely and doesn't wear off eventually. I think last week we talked about the Triconderoga and how that one was glued, mm. and so sometimes it'll fall off because it's not clinched on really tightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely some, some pencils, uh, the nicer pencils will be pinched on at some point. I'm looking at a Golden Bear right now, and if you look at the sides of a Golden Bear, there's these little notches where they've clinked it on. I don't know if I just made that word up, but... Climped it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I think you should start a blog called Wood, wood Climped. Yeah, Wood Climped. Yeah. And the end, the end of the pencil, which, like on the barrel, the end of the barrel is actually, there's a little recess cut where they kind of grind off a little bit to make it a little thinner so that the, the ferrule can actually fit over the top. <coughs> and that's how it's added on. It's the recessed end of the barrel is fit with the ferrule and they're clinched together or glued or sometimes both. Uh, but Erasers on pencils actually are an American thing, mostly. So I, I, it's something I had not noticed directly, but through research, noticed that that really uh, is the case, that erasers on uh, European pencils is not really a prevalent thing. There's not a lot of uh, pencils out of Europe that have those. Uh, and have you noticed that? Have you, have you guys yeah. noticed that? Is that the case? I mean, I, I want to make sure I wasn't just... A complete oversight because I have mostly American or Japanese pencils. But I, I think the eraser is is mostly, or the the kind of unerasered ends that are kind of capped um, are a lot a lot of times um, like artist pencils, people who draw mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that people who use them a lot more for you know writing or adding or something like that is generally generally be erasered. Yeah, and when you buy pencils from. Companies like Fabric Estelle, they they don't have an eraser on the end, but they'll usually sell them with an eraser. Or yeah. not usual, but a lot of the times they will, and and a sharpener sometimes, which is nice. When I bought my Grip Two, uh, Grip Two Thousands or Two Thousand One, uh, they had both with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other, I just found out some sort of fun, random facts about the Ferrell eraser. Things that I had stumbled across, or things I had heard a long time ago. Uh, the actual eraser in manufacturing is called a plug. Which I thought was kind of uh, interesting. They'll actually call they don't call it an eraser; they call it a plug. Uh, that's hmm. that's the name because they plug it into the ferrule, which is then attached to the barrel. Hmm. Um, and in Britain, they actually call the eraser, or from what I understand, uh, a rubber, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, which takes on a whole new meaning in America. This protects um, your pencil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually knew somebody in high school. Who was a German exchange student, and uh, her, the I guess you call it her exchange mother or whatever the person who was mm-hmm. she was staying with was telling me the story of when she first got there. Uh, they asked her what kind of school supplies she needed, and the first thing she said, uh, she asked her exchange parents that uh, she said, "Can you buy me some rubbers?" <laughs> 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 Which of course had some raised eyebrows from what? that story, but she, imme- she immediately I think realized that. There was something lost in translation because she actually <laughs> learns British English in German. So in Germany, so <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a funny story. But uh, there's all kinds of uh, different 
ferrules, uh, famous ones. Obviously, the Blackwing 602 is a very famous one. Uh, the flattened ferrule that can be, uh, the eraser can actually be pulled out and extended. Gives, makes it so the eraser actually lives until the end of the pencil, which is uh, was a really big deal when it happened, and I'm sort of shocked that that's not just always the case now. Yeah, um, I, it just seems like that is the type of thing that quality pencils should have just all adopted. <laughs> but, um, but you know, oh well, it's yeah. just something. It's just a really cool convention, a really great idea. Uh, you see it a lot with mechanical pencils, I guess, which we don't, we're not going to talk about. But. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, and then uh, the Van Dyke the Eberhard Faber Van Dyke is a similar uh, similar feral to the or is it exactly the same as the 602 I think it's I think it's the same essentially the same idea and uh, I was on a really cool website called Brand Name Pencils I love that site oh yeah (laughs) um, but I was I was flipping through there the other day and stumbled across the Mongol 492 have you ever seen this yeah Uh, the, the racer actually looks like a wheel that's on a spoke. Yeah, oh. I think I, I think I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, it's it's it, what it looks like is instead of oh, along the end of the ferrule, there's like a, a bar that comes out and sort of loops over, and then the eraser is wrapped around that. And so, from what it looks like, you can actually turn it. Yeah, yeah. Which is just it's kind of a cool looking thing. Doesn't seem like it'd be too practical because if you use down one side of it, then it would just fall off. But um, yeah, it looks crazy. There's an old um, Dixon uh, Ticonderoga that has kind of a it's it's set it's not a wheel like that but it's um, uh, it's kind of disc shaped so you can uh, erase in very fine points. Um, I think that contrapuntalism has an article about that which I'll try to track down. Um, but yeah, it's it's super cool looking. Nice. Yeah, I'd love to read that. Is that was I when I saw that it's that's really unusual looking pencil. I've never seen anything like that. But. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. The last little fun fact uh, I was going to share uh, is I'm, I'm a big fan of Jimmy Fallon. I'm a, I love Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I used to watch that. And now he's the new host of The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and a former host of The Tonight Show, Johnny Carson, uh, was famous for sitting at his desk and he would play with a pencil all the time, kind of hit it against the desk, let it run through his fingers. Uh, and he was always holding a pencil. Never, you would never see him write with it. And the reason you never saw him write with it on air, or not very much, was because he had special pencils made that were had erasers on both ends, hmm. uh, where an eraser was clamped <laughs> on <the, laughs> onto both ends, so that he wouldn't have any accidents, wouldn't stab his hand, or wouldn't uh, do anything like that. So he could hit it against the desk, and he could throw it around. Uh, he could throw it at the. Uh, Throw it at the camera or whatever, and there wouldn't be any issues because there was erasers on both ends. So it was a safety, uh, safety precaution. So it's kind of a fun place to end with a the ultimate ferruled pencil. That's awesome. That sounds like a ferrule. Yeah. yeah. Wonder if yeah. you can get any of those Johnny Carson pencils on eBay or anything. Yeah, that'd be good. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have access to the? Um, the IM feature of Skype, Tim, I have a really... Actually, you know what? I'm just going to put this in show notes for you to see because it's super cool. Do you see that link I just posted? Where at? Um, in the, um, the Google Doc. The Google Doc. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. This is inside baseball right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, oh. I just posted a link uh, actually right up 
um, beneath where you put your random points. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a link to that Ticonderoga that had the rounded, uh, the rounded yes. edges. So yes, 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 you should yes, check yes. that out. It's pretty cool. I am in the process of here it comes. <laughs> this is live action. Yeah, that's that, well, that's even that's even different. That one's that one makes more sense to me than the other one. The other one looked like it actually turned. That one. It's cool. It's a disc. It's almost like a UFO on the yeah. end of the pencil. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. I, I love brand name pencils. I, I actually had a bunch of um, old black wings that I just had and I wasn't probably going to use and I had enough for my collection. And I traded uh, Bob Truby, who runs brand name pencils, I traded him those for a just a big pack of other really cool, unusual pencils. Nice. And uh, I hope, hope eventually we'll do an episode where we can just talk about some really cool, unusual pencils. And when that happens, I definitely have some shows and tell. That's cool. That's actually the only place on the internet I could find to buy that round uh, Dixon Ticonderoga uh, 13882 mm-hmm. soft, the one that I couldn't find anywhere. That's the only place I found. He actually apparently has some to sell. That's cool. So I was considering ordering some. I think he just char- charges a couple bucks yeah. per pencil. But that's the only place I could find him. He's a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, is, is that the, is that the ferrule? That's all I got. That's the ferrule <laughs> of the ferrule. Okay. Farewell to the ferrule. Yep. Cool. Oh, well, God. um, I guess I'm next. Um, I'm talking about the barrel of the pencil, uh, before we really get to kind of the meat of the, the meat of the, the pencil, which is of course the graphite, uh, which, which Johnny will talk <laughs> about. But, uh, so I, my, my portion kind of goes back a little bit further, um, so I've been watching a lot of, you know, of the cosmos, the new, the new cosmos and, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson gets in his, his spaceship, his spaceship of the imagination. So uh, get in your pencil spaceship of the imagination, everybody. And let's go back to uh, 1560. Mm. Um, there is an, <laughs> there's an Italian couple named Simeono and Liliana Bernacotti, which is my horrible, horrible uh, great Italian people. accent. <laughs> um, they are uh, likely the, the, the first uh, producers of the modern wood-encased carpentry pencil. Um, so if ever you've seen like a, oh, like one of those old-fashioned pencils um, from like the 1700s, I, I think, I'm trying to think, Johnny, maybe you can refresh my memory. I think maybe um, Faber-Castell sent out like a make-your-own-pencil kit. Oh, with um, uh, Statler. Statler, that's right. That's why I couldn't find it. Um, so, um, and basically you just had like two kind of broad pieces of wood and you had the kind of a, a flat, long, um, piece of graphite in the middle. And essentially what you would do is you would put those wood pieces kind of over the graphite and there's maybe a little bit of a rudimentary groove carved out of there. And you take a piece of twine or string and you wax it to one end of it and you wrap it around the pencil, uh, until you reach the kind of the point end. And then you kind of wax seal that that as well, and that is is kind of what people think is the modern, the first kind of wood encased pencil. Um, it's it's a flat overall um, compact pencil. Uh, is probably uh, nobody knows exactly for sure, but everybody thinks it was probably four and a half five inches long. Um, their particular concept involved hollowing out a stick of juniper, which is interesting. Um, and then shortly after that is kind of when uh, what I described. Um, the te- technique they came up with. You get two wooden halves, um, you put in the graphite stick, and then you know you kind of wax seal it shut with the twine wrapped around it. Um, so so that that's kind of where it started. Um, I know that uh, kind of fast forwarding to they kind of stayed like that through you know the 
the 16th, 17th, 18th century, and in 1812, um, there's there's a couple a couple rival um, methods that were kind of introduced, and a lot of that involved um, just being able to turn, make a a more cylindrical pencil. Um, so. William Monroe, who was a cabinet maker in Massachusetts, um, made the first American wooden pencil uh, in 1812. And uh, his process was really slow and kind of arduous, um, but he found a, uh, a pencil mill owner named Ebenezer Wood uh, who tried to, ar- who tried to uh, automate it. <laughs> Ebenezer Wood, isn't that a great name? That's great. <laughs> uh, he used a circular saw to do it. Um, and he basically constructed uh, the first of the hexagon and octagon shaped wooden casings. Um, by the way, I really want to find an, an octagonal pencil. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So Ebenezer did not patent his invention, uh, and he really he shared his techniques with anyone. So uh, one of those was Eberhard Faber of New York, uh, which was a, a relative of uh, Faber Castell, uh, who kind of became the leader in that production. So um, what was really close to that was kind of the modern day practice. Um, which is where you take a um, like a wooden plank. Uh, it's a slat that's that's about um, 0.2 inches thick, and you get them in about seven inches by two and a half inches, which makes um, I believe six or eight pencils. I can't remember exactly what. Um, interestingly, this is what uh, California Cedar, who makes the new Black Wings, who makes who owns Pencils.com. This is their core business. They supply those cedar slats to other pencil companies. Which is that's cool. interesting. But, uh, but essentially what they do is they take one of these slats and they cut some grooves in it. And then they lay down the core of graphite, which, you know, Johnny will talk about. Uh, but then they take another cedar slat. And by the way, they've laid some glue into these, these, uh, these slots before they put the graphite in. Then they take another uh, slat and put some glue in the slots and they put that over on the top of it. And then they take those and they kind of uh, compress them together. And this is what, as far as I can tell, is, and I probably should know this definitively, um, this, is, this is what's known as wood clinching. And wood, the word wood clinched itself is a trademark term um, just kind of to describe that process. Um, they basically take a bunch of these and they use a big vise to compress it up to a ton of pressure um, for, I think they said a day until the, until the wood, uh, or excuse me, until the glue uh, dries. And what's cool about this glue is that it's... Um, it's really in there not only to keep the keep the lead in place, but it all, also kind of cushions it from pressure. So um, you know when you when you write really hard or you kind of bend a pencil, it kind of keeps the the uh, fragile lead core from from breaking. So that is wood clinching, um, yes. which is <laughs> which is interesting, <laughs> and from from which I was inspired for my uh, I was inspired for my blog my blog title. Um, it was that's a trademark that was actually introduced in 1940. Uh, the technique is much older, but uh, in the 1940s, uh, Mongol and um, uh, Eberhard Faber kind of started putting the words "wood clinched" on their pencils, um, and that's that's what I saw when I started a blog. I think a lot of black wings that I've had um, say "wood clinched" on it, so um, that's kind of where that term comes from. And and really, that's that's about. Um, you know, your traditional round and hexagonal pencils, that, that's where that term comes from. Um, by the way, the, the hexagonal pencils are, are cut into that shape because once those, uh, those slats are clinched together and formed, um, some blades go down the top and some blades go down the bottom to kind of carve out the middle parts of these pencils. And once that happens, they sort of just break apart, which is really cool. 
I have yet to actually see this in operation, but there's a really, really great, um, uh, um, oh, I lost my train of thought here. There's a really great how it's made video about how they made, make wooden pencils at the Statler factory. I don't know yeah, if you guys, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, I've how seen it's made a hundred times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's the best. It's, yeah, it's you the can best. watch it on Hulu. Yeah. I'll post, I'll post a link to the specific thing on the, the science network, but yeah. I, uh, the part where they dip the ends, is, that's it. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. Yep. They, I actually uh, I had a big video dump on my blog several years ago of just like all of the pencil and paper related <laughs> things on there. Um, and I'll post a link to that too, but it's it's really fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that How It's Made video is is pretty fantastic. Uh, and then once, you know, once the pencils form, they, they put a lacquer around it. Um, they paint it whatever colors it is. And, and by the way... Um, you know, in the U.S., the majority of the pencils that you see are painted yellow. Um, so, uh, according to Henry Petrosky, who wrote, you know, the, the book about pencils, uh, this tradition began in 1890 when the L&C Hardmuth Company of Austria-Hungary introduced the Koenor brand. Um, does anybody know if I'm saying that right, Koenor? I, that sounds right. Sure. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, so, so that brand, uh, it was named after a famous diamond. It was intended to be the world's best and most expensive pencil. Uh, and it kind of came at a time when most other pencils were painted in dark colors, or not at all. The Koenor was yellow. So nobody exactly knows why. Um, some people think it was inspired by the Austro-Hungarian flag, which had yellow on it. Uh, it was also, I found a Wikipedia article that says it was also suggested of the Orient, uh, which may be a little racist. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, yeah, at a time when the best quality graphite came from Siberia. Um, other companies uh, copied the yellow color so their pencils would be associated with that brand um, and chose brand names with explicit oriental references like the Mikado, which was mm -hmm. later na renamed the Murado, and Mongol, which was, you know, after like, you know, Attila the Hun. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where that, the yellow color came from. And, and really, if you look outside of the U.S., um, there's a lot of other colors. There's, you know, there's blue and there's, there's, um, you know, kind of black together with that Mars Lumograph. Um, in a lot of Asian countries, you see red and, and black together. Um, there's a Chung Hua pencil, which I'm a really big fan of, um, that has, that's, it's kind of, it's uh, red and black. Um, so that, that's kind of where the colors came from. So that, that's kind of painted on the barrel. And then um, after that, it's either uh, dipped, tipped, um, or else it goes to the ferrule machine, and which is where uh, Tim picks up. So so um, let's talk about the wood of the pencils. Um, I think most of the pencils that we use uh, are probably made of uh, cedar, California incense cedar. I guess they used to be made of wood, uh, of red cedar, mm -hmm. uh, but red cedar is, uh, you know, they kind of harvest it to, uh, to be an endangered. It was, it was not sustainably harvested, um, mm -hmm. and it would, it would just not grow back fast enough. Um, and it also, it, it, it splintered a lot easier. So, um, if you remember, we talked a little bit about the Helix Oxford pencil on the Pen Attic podcast, and I mentioned that the, that wood is pink, and that is actually, from what I understand, is uh, California cedar that's been dyed pink to kind of emulate the red cedar, uh, which a lot of people were, you know, trying to get used to. People were used to the pink color of the red cedar, and when the incense cedar came along, they were disappointed and, 
you know, they kind of, they faked it. <laughs> they faked, faked it until they made it, basically. It's dedication. Yeah. So, yeah. so California Incense Cedar is kind of, is the, kind of the standard among, among good pencils. Um, uh, what I, I've uh -huh. heard, I heard somewhere that something amazing about California Incense Cedar, but doesn't it reproduce faster than we can use it or something like that? Um, as far as like how much it, it reproduces, if you see it is just like really prolific. Yeah, I think it's been partially kind of bred to do what it is doing. Um, and okay. I know that it grows a lot faster than the others. I, I, and I think you still have to be very responsible and, you know, sustainable sure, with sure. your reforestation. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it, it definitely, it, it grows a lot faster and it, it doesn't splinter as, as badly, which is why it's kind of perfect for that. You know, yeah. for the for the pencil um, and i know that that's really what you know california cedar makes for example um and a lot of their competitors um you know they actually grow it grow it in california uh they send it off i think overseas i don't remember where to get to get cut up china. into to china yeah yeah to get cut up into slats uh which is where it comes back and they grade it and they you know you know they have it there and then they send it out to all the various pencil companies I'd like to know how many pencils are inside of one tree. I would like to know that too. Um, there's actually like a three hundred thousand, something like that. Whoa. Yeah, there's oh. actually a website um, that is a production of the Cal of Cal Cedar. It's called um, the Incense Cedar Institute. Um, oh, cool. I'll, I'll post a link to it, but it's basically just a. Um, it may actually be linked to from calcedar.com, but if you look back in there, you can find um, you can find a link to the Incense Cedar Institute. Um, okay. which has cool. a that lot of, great. yeah, which has a lot of kind of that information, but so, um, you know, you can also use, um, you'll see in a lot of uh, cheaper pencils, you'll see, uh, basswood. That is the wood that's, it, it doesn't exactly cause only fabric kind of pills up, but, but you know what I mean when I say like a pencil kind of pills up on the base, um, it gets really rough. And if you put it into like a dull burr grinder, it's just super mm. rough and, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. typically that's probably basswood. Um, there are a couple other, um, just kind of Southeast Asia woods that are used. There's one called jelly. I'm going to butcher this name. Jelutong. Um, that is, is something that is, is used. I couldn't find an example of a pencil that specifically uses that, but, uh, that, that use is controversial because of rainforest deforestation. Uh, but there's another native wood around Southeast Asia called Pulai, um, which is about the same, and it's 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 native, but it's it's not quite as endangered. Um, and then you know there are a lot of other different kind of composites that are made for it. Um, Johnny talked a lot about Wolpex. Um, uh. There's a, actually if you if you go look on uh, back in the archives on uh, Pencil Talk, you'll find the kind of the first mention of it in 2010. He talks mm -hmm. about the Statler Wolpex. Um, and then actually just this month on Pencil Revolution, Johnny had, a, had kind of a follow-up review on that. But it's, it's interesting. Wolpex stands for uh, Wood Pencil Extrusion. Um, am I getting this right, Johnny? Yeah. Wood yeah. Pencil Extrusion? I'm, okay. And it's essentially um, what when I would talk to Char Charles Berelsheimer from Calcedar, what he would call a plastic pencil. You know, it's not obviously made of exact plastic, but it's made from just kind of a... Uh, an ex like a composite of various, you know, proprietary elements. Do you, do you know what's what's in that, Johnny? Um, apparently, it's pretty secret. Yeah, yeah. But, that, um, that's, it has a lot of wood flour. Yeah, that's really what I gathered. It's a lot of like, you know, sawdust that's much, much, much finer than sawdust and just compressed mm -hmm. at extremely high pressures. And what you get is you get a uh, 
you get a pencil that is much heavier than a typical pencil, um, a little bit um, more solid and in, just in performance. And I have not used a Wopex pencil. Uh, so I'm relying on Johnny and Steven from Pencil Talks Reviews. Um, and apparently you can't put it in a burr grinder. Did you put yours in a burr grinder, Johnny? Um, you can on some, like Matthias from uh, Bleistift. Uh -huh. He sort of experimented with all the different ways you can sharpen a, um, a Wopex. And there's this pencil sharpener. I think it was marketed in the States by a Kickerland, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. It looks like yeah. a, a dual-lens camera. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. the later models of it, like the problem with the burr grinder is the um, the auto shut off doesn't get triggered because there's so much friction. Yeah. So the first time I did this, I lost half a Wopex when they were really really uh, precious. I'm like no. <laughs> but um, this one, like the later models, it'll it'll shut itself off. It's like huh. the perfect point on a Wopex. That's crazy. It kind of takes all the fun out of it, but yeah, yeah, it looks nice. So so I see a lot of close ups where people have done it with a knife or with a blade grinder. Yeah, Matthias is really good at it. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm the worst at sharpening with a knife. So, so yeah, there's a, there's Wolpex. Um, there's a few other different kind of uh, composites. Uh, that's that's kind of one of the newest and kind of I guess sexier ones. I know that uh, Empire Pencil uh, back in the '70s had an Epcon plastic pencil. <laughs> uh, in 1993, Conte had something called a Conte Evolution, which is an extruded plastic pencil. Yeah, they still uh, make this. Do they? Yeah, they're made under uh, Bic now. Okay, I should. They're look really those. nice. Yeah. Um, I actually have a pencil that's that's a um, it's a giveaway of um, like a trash and sanitary recycling place um, that has like big plastic dumpsters and they have a plastic pencil that's pretty solidly plastic. Um, you can also make some pencils out of uh, recycled newspaper. You see that a lot. Um, I actually some of them I actually kind of like. I have uh, I have a couple of reviews of some of my favorites up on the blog, which I'll, I'll provide a link to, but. Um, there's Oban, which is a French company that has a, uh, newspaper pencil and, you know, a couple other little ones. So there's, and, and the one I guess I should mention, which is not, probably not for public consumption usually, but, uh, Crandosh, uh, has, uh, three collections of exotic wood pencils. Johnny, do you, do you have any of these? No. No. They're, <laughs> they're really pretty. Yeah. Do you, um, Tim, do you know what we're talking about? I do, yeah, I've seen those. They're, oh man, they're so gorgeous. Uh, it's collection number two had this blue zebra wood that was just fantastic. And it's just a little bit generally too salty for my, my price. It's, it's 30 bucks for, uh, I think, six of them. And they're just pencils that are made out of like really cool exotic wood. And I don't think that they deforest things you know, to get it, but it's, they're just gorgeous. Uh, if you can find it, uh, collection three is now for sale. I think they're selling it through pencils.com and maybe through... Um, Oh, not jet pens, but that other that other one in Japan. What is it called? Um, oh, well, I'll find the link and post it. But yeah, they're they're pretty fantastic. Um, it's a little bit harder to sharpen. You know, they're much harder woods. That's why pencils aren't made out of like mahogany. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I have a uh, I have a pencil here that's made out of recycled old currency. Yeah, yeah, I've oh, seen those too. Seen those? Yeah, yeah, it's made, those out of old, made out of old, old dog wheels. Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those too. Those are really the cool. Blue jeans ones are cool. It's a really neat color. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll about wrap it up for uh, barrels because I think that you know the graphite is you know what we all came here for. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that that is that is the barrel of a pencil, um, which is is pretty great. So, so yeah, um, I'll pass it off to Johnny to talk about uh, graphite. Okay, if I start 
rambling about Thoreau too much. <laughs> Stop me. It's, it's not that relevant. But uh, these are these are our core points about the unleaded center of a pencil. Um, it was a dark, stormy night in Barrowdale, England. As <laughs> England was, it was the uh, 1860s. <laughs> and um, like Henry Petrosky points out, nobody recorded any of this stuff. So like vaguely the 1860s, some people say 1864, um, a large tree fell over in a storm. And some of the, the, the sources say it was an oak or an elder or an alder. Um, when it when it uprooted, there was this black substance stuck to the roots, which was graphite. But you know, no one knew what it was, and they thought it looked like a black lead. So they started calling it wad. If I'm pronouncing that right, W A D D, hmm. which I think means black. And um, then it started to get known by uh, plumbago, which is from the Latin meaning that which acts like lead, because uh, the, from the ancient Romans through I don't remember when. People were using pieces of actual lead to write with, which, you know, nice and poisonous. But um, it produced, like, a really light mark. So when they saw graphite, it was like writing with a, you know, carbon sharpie. Um, <laughs> and by the end of the 16th century, it was pretty well known throughout Europe. Um, and no one called it graphite until, I think, 1779, when they finally figured out what it was made, and it was made of, and it was a type of carbon and not lead. And it does conduct electricity, but it's not a type of metal, if I have that right. Um, it's somewhere between coal and diamonds. So it would be like really, really good coal or on the way to diamonds. <laughs> really crappy diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have pencils. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, that, because of its molecular structure, it works as a lubricant really well. Like I don't know if you guys were in Boy Scouts when you were little, but you put the powdered graphite into oh. your Pinewood Derby car wheels. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like way better than grease or anything. I always thought it was my dad's like magic dust. It was like pixie dust. <laughs> but uh, also because it's carbon. Very dust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, graphite doesn't react with paper because it's carbon and it doesn't fade. It doesn't have any uh, pigments or dyeing agents, which is why pencil is really forever. So if you've ever done any gardening, like if you try to use a Sharpie for a plant steak, it's gone in a week, but you can use a pencil. It'll last forever as long as you don't erase it. Hmm. Um, General's Kimberly 9XXB is like the best one. But um, and early on, graphite, they um, they didn't put them in wood right away. People were using it to mark their sheep, just in these big chunks from this mine in uh, Barrowdale, which is in, in or near Cumberland in England. Mm. Um, so folks would sort of like saw off a little hunk of it and wrap it up in sheepskin, and then eventually they started sawing it into sticks and they would wrap them in string, because they figured out like if your son does field work or an artist, this was like better than charcoal because you could ink over it. And, um, you know, if you do field work, you don't really want to carry a quill and a pen, uh, a quill and ink with you. Um, then eventually when they started doing the wood, it was just a big giant hunk of pure graphite from this mine in England. It was like, it's still supposed to be the best and biggest graphite mine on earth, which, I mean, I think we should go prospecting somewhere and like go find <laughs> a better one. We could start our own pencil company. Yeah, that's But, great. uh, that's why leads were squared because they were, they were solved. Instead of um, extrude it like, like comes later. Um, but outside of England, the best you could do would be to get sort of little pieces of the Barrowdale graphite or whatever you could get where you lived. So that would have to be pulverized and then sift it to get out the, the sort of uh, impurities. And they would mix it with stuff like sulfur. So they would heat up powdered graphite and sulfur and then sort of put it on a board and knead it like bread into like a weird... Probably really stinky dough. Can you imagine what that must have smelled like? 
I'd rather not. <laughs> I, I would kill myself. <laughs> well, the, the old rumors were that if you put a pencil point into a flame, it would smell like brimstone. Huh. Oh, how do you know what brimstone smells like? <laughs> Where have you been? That's a great question. <laughs> but even this, they would they would cut it into cakes and then put it in a lit in a into um, a wooden housing, but it was kind of soft because it wasn't fired like modern leads are. Um, and out, outside of England, that was the best they could do. And then in England, they started. When the mines started running a little dry, they would start trying to not waste things. So other things they would use to bind besides sulfur were disgusting things like, uh, I'm going to pronounce this right, isinglass, isinglass. It's from fish bladders, which is disgusting. Um, gum, shellac, wax, um, some sort of like bayberry oil or something. The throws used that later. Um, but even still, these were like, junk pencils. They were scratchy and they weren't very dark. Um, so then in 1793, when England and France were at war, the folks in France couldn't get the Borrowdale pencils. They couldn't get the German pencils that were made of the composite, even though they were junk, it was still a pencil. So the Minister of War wanted someone to produce pencils in France. So then we had, I'm not going to say his name right, Nicolas Jacques Conte. He was born in Normandy in 1755. He was a portrait painter before the revolution, and then he became an inventor and an engineer. And he had this really cool pirate eye patch because he promoted the use of um, balloons in warfare, and there was a hydrogen explosion in his lab, so he lost his eye or lost his sight's eye. This guy sounds but, badass. Um, yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> He's got like an enormous head. But, he'd, have, uh, he'd have to. You know, <laughs> supposedly his big head, he came up with uh, in, a, in a matter of days, they say. So in, in 1794, he came up with the idea to mix powdered graphite and potter's clay as a binder. Um, these would be put into molds and dried out, and the molds would shape the lead so you didn't have to cut it. And then they would pack it in charcoal and fire it in an oven at like insanely high temperatures. So then when they came out, they were brittled, but they wrote a lot more smoothly and a lot uh, darker than the sulfur. Um, and it, it was, you know, that was still the norm everywhere else. But by the mid-19th century, the Kantian method was pretty widespread in Europe. But this is where we get into Thoreau, or eventually Thoreau. Um, there was a gent named Joseph Dixon, like that Dixon, like Dixon's contact, yeah, Ticonderoga Dixon. He lived in America, and he made crucibles. So he had a side business where he would make stove polish and pencils from his graphite. But uh, he quit making pencils because when he went to Boston, they were like, well, you can't sell this with an American label. Nobody's going to buy it. Like, people want German and French pencils. So he just quit. But one of his sort of protégés was John Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau's father. So he learned a little bit of making pencils from, from uh, Joseph Dixon. And you know, the legend is that Dixon might have known the Conte press, uh, process. So John Thoreau might have known it, but neither of them tinkered with it enough to be able to use it effectively. So um, Mr. John Thoreau married, well, I don't remember what his wife's name is, but his brother was Charles Dunbar, who found this famous deposit of uh, graphite in Bristol, New Hampshire, that was supposed to be like the best graphite if it wasn't Borrowdale. And he had a partner named Cyrus Stowe in Concord. And... They took a lease out on this, this uh, mine, but they made a mistake and only took it out for seven years. So they had to enlist John Thoreau so they could get all this graphite out. And then they got tired of the business and they weren't making any money, so they left it to him. 
So Mr. Henry David Thoreau, you know, everybody's favorite hermit, his father owned a pencil company, hmm. which most people were surprised to know. Like even that Thoreau could draw mechanical drawings. He was a really smart guy. So Mr. John Thoreau's pencils had uh, glue, bayberry wax, and spermaceti in them, but he could still sell them in Boston with uh, American labels on them because his graphite was so good. Hmm. Uh, he even got noticed by the, Magri- the Massachusetts Agricultural Society in 1824, which was really interesting. But they were still inferior to the Conte process pencils, but you couldn't get Conte process pencils here very easily. So Henry David Thoreau, though, there are conflicting sources about this. Um, in his biography, Walter Harding says that Thoreau went to the library at Harvard and in an encyclopedia learned about the Conte process. But uh, Henry Petrosky says that's impossible because there were no such encyclopedias with that information and that he probably just kind of, maybe he read a passage talking about pencils and talking about clay being used in crucibles and made the connection. But the upshot is that our favorite little you know, naturalist uh, sort of independently discovered the Conte process and gave us the modern pencil in America without needing Europe to help us, which is super awesome. Um, it's interesting how often stuff like that happened because I think that you know the vulcanization of rubber process was something that was kind of discovered around the same time in America and the UK. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how, you know, Things kind of enter consciousness around the same time. Mm-hmm. And Thoreau, he, he was famous for, uh, he used, I didn't know this until recently, he used to dream of a seamless pencil. Like, just sit around thinking about how cool it would be to have a pencil with no seam. <laughs> so the legend is that he invented a machine that would bore a hole through a pencil and you could stick a lead in it. Huh. I've never, I've never seen this. It sounds really cool, though. That does. But um, he did invent a machine that, um, I don't really understand how it works. It used river rocks to pulverize the graphite. And then the pieces that were super fine would sort of float up on a draft and hit like this little shelf box and stay in there. And whatever was too heavy would just keep grinding. And I think Generals uses something like that. I know they use river rocks to, um, to pulverize their graphite, but they do it when it's wet so it doesn't get you know, airborne. But um, at the time when uh, Henry David Thoreau improved them, they were the, the best pencils you could buy in America. And they used to number them one through four for different grades. But um, in 1853, they stopped making pencils because there was sort of a secret operation where they were making graphite for uh, electrotyping. And then that became so lucrative, they just kind of stopped. So that's the end of the, the Thoreau story. Um, that's, that's Sounds history. like you were very thorough with your yeah. research. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he used to say about his, uh, You're on fire his surveying work. <laughs> I'm very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine him saying that and like waddling away. I, I like your your vo- your voice impression of Thoreau. <laughs> now now that's what he's going to sound like in my head. Well, um, leads were still square at this point, but um, because by the 1870s they started extruding them through a die. So the Germans claim they did it, and the French claim they did it. But that's where we got round leads, which of course required a modification of the um, of the slat. Um, then we have the introduction of wax, where most of our good pencils are boiled in wax and then left in there for you know, different amounts of time so that it impregnates every single little bit of graphite. I've talked to a couple of different pencil companies about what's in the wax, and of course they won't tell you because it's proprietary. So, but uh, some of the stuff they told me is in there is kind of disgusting, especially if you're a vegetarian like I am, so I won't say what it is. <laughs> you can email them yourself if you want to be grossed out. 
But um, we have the, the alternative uh, compositions, like Andy was talking about, the extruded pencils. They also extrude leads with plastic instead of um, ceramic. Hmm. That's where we get um, the sort of flexible mechanical pencil, <laughs> those leads. And also, like the Wopex, it comes out with the lead already in it, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, what else? Colored pencils. Uh, we're not really talking about colored pencils, but they're just wax and um, binders and pigments. But they just don't to have clarify, any they just clarify. That wasn't static. We just heard that was Johnny hissing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to quote David Reese on the on our podcast. I don't want to be the first one to cuss. <laughs> but what is it? Chapter eleven. I, I can put in a, an explicit tag on it if we need to for iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I suppose the other thing I should talk about is our pencil grading. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., we use number one through four like Thoreau did. Um, number one being softest, number four being the hardest. And then a lot of manufacturers sort of have something between two and three, but they're all trademarked. So some are like two and three-eighths, two and a half, 2.5, which I think is just really, really cool. I wish more people did that. Um, number one is roughly B, HB is two, H is three, and two H is four. Hmm. And uh, two and a half is F. So in the big scale, you've got um, H on one side, which stands for hard, B on the other, black. And um, the higher the number with H, the harder it is. The higher the number with B, the darker it is. And in the middle, you've got HB. And then some manufacturers between H and HB have F, which I think is for fine. Is that correct? I think so. Um, so it, it, it seems all standard, but you know, different manufacturers mean different things by HB. Like I know a lot of people get like a, a Faber-Castell, Castell 9000, they're like, this is way too hard because German pencils are usually a lot harder than, um, than, uh, <laughs> just, just what like we're the used to in America. <laughs> they're very precise. They follow a lot of rules. <laughs> <laughs> but they're smooth, which, which is good because... Yeah. American pencils usually, if they're that hard, they're a little scratchy. Yeah. And um, Japanese pencils usually run a little softer, which is what I like about them. Um, but even, I've discovered like Dick and Ticonderogas, like the Mexican ones are scratchy and hard. The Chinese ones are smooth and really nice. Um, so the whole like, you know, use a number two pencil for an exam is total bunk. And your teachers are just messing with you. There's no such thing as a number two pencil. So I'm sure you guys would agree. Get a Musgrave or General's test scoring pencil. Heck yeah. Much better. Mm-hmm. Especially the Generals. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. I've rambled for a while about that. But uh, that was impressive. Also, I keep yeah. saying lead. There's no lead in a pencil, obviously. Or I'd be dead from the point that's in my wrist. <laughs> or at least partially insane. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? I have a lot of, a lot of people. You, you, know, um, you know the, the taxi company Uber? You know they have they have their Uber facts that they oh. they tweet out every now and then. Oh and yeah, there there was one at one point they were like Uber fact number whatever. There is no actual lead in a pencil, and I don't know how many times I got tweeted like kind of retweeted at that from people who were like, oh Andy should know this, and <laughs> you guys I don't know if you've seen that as well, but yeah, I'm just like no kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I went through graduate school thinking I majored in philosophy because there's something wrong with me. <laughs> the lead had like melted into my bloodstream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a lucrative decision. <laughs> <laughs> I was very glad to know that it was something else wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was something else. <laughs> I don't need wrist surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did amputate your hand or anything. Yeah. I think we should we should all get together one day and break off a piece of lead like in our ankles or something. It's like <laughs> Mark of solidarity. <laughs> Blood solidarity. Brothers. 
Right. Get a pet shot. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll just shove it in our, in our eye and we could look like uh, Nicolas uh, Conte. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I found a amazing picture, and I'm pretty sure this is going to be the episode art. Yeah, that's that would be a amazing. really good hipsterific yeah. tattoo. <laughs> yeah. like a okay, blue, what is it with like... you and tattoos lately, Johnny? Because this is <laughs> maybe I'm the... I'm getting bugged to get one, but I don't have any. I'm too hairy. There's nowhere to put one. <laughs> the hair on the bottom of my arms connects. It's terrible. As, as I told you, you know, this body is a temple. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably not going to get a tattoo. But if I did, I think what I want to do is, you know how on the inside of your index finger, you know, people sometimes like tattoo a mustache and then they hold it up to their face? No, no one. I want to get a, a pencil put there. And so then I can hold it up to my face and it's a pencil mustache. I wonder if you could do something like a, uh, like on the inside of your arm where you have like a full pencil on your forearm. Uh-huh. And so that like when you close your arm, uh, it shortens. And you can have like a sharpener on your bicep. Yes. Like, put, it, put it into the sharpener. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we, get our, if we get our pencil starburst from the wood clinch vector pack, I think yes. that... Uh, yeah. It, 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 by the way, if anybody out there, this is this is a pronouncement right now. If anybody out there wants to get that tattooed on their arm, I will give you. I will send you a free uh, wood clinch pencil pencil pack uh, pencil vector pack T-shirt. That is my that is my pronouncement. <laughs> I think we should also develop a erasable podcast official Conte eye patch to uh, <laughs> yes. give, give give away. Uh, <laughs> Yes, indeed. Colors. Yeah, we'll start seeing people wearing them around, like in big cities. Like, hmm. hopefully, it comes with that cravat that he's wearing. Yeah, (laughs) it has to, and then the metal that's yes, and the big, big metal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, guys, we've managed to talk for like an hour and a half (laughs) about pencils. (laughs) Hopefully, we still have people listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening, still. You, you person out there who's still, you know, still listening. So, um, yeah, we, yep. we should probably wrap it up and maybe, maybe tell everybody where they can find us on the interwebs. Um, I guess I am, I am Andy Welfley. You can get me at A Welfley. That's A-W-E-L-F-L-E on Twitter. Uh, Andy W on app.net and uh, woodclinch.com. Uh, I'm Tim Wassum, and uh, it's not just a... Magical coincidence that there's a new Tim Wassum who is doing this podcast. I did change the name of my blog since the last episode we did. Um, it was a very natural change. just makes more sense to what I actually write about. But it's now, uh, you can read my uh, reviews and writings about pens and pencils and the such at www.thewritingarsenal.com. You can follow me on Twitter at writingarsenal. Uh, if you were already following me at Daily Carry then it automatically will switch. I just changed it from the same account. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me through the contact page on my website or email me directly to thewritingarsenal at gmail.com. I'm Johnny Gamber. I'm at pencilrevolution.com. Uh, what am I on Twitter? At Pencilution. Pencilution. Yeah, it's, it's too hard to say. I should have done something different. Um, <laughs> I want Instagram, I think, at Johnny Gamber if you want to see pictures of really cute kids and pencils. They're usually mixed. <laughs> Or often mixed. Um, and you can email me at editor at pencilrevolution.com, which is kind of a mouthful, or just use the contact page on my website. Cool. And um, uh, if you want to kind of reach the podcast in general, we're on Twitter. Um, it's erasable, at Erasable Podcast. 
And our website is erasable.us. And but, our email is erasablepodcast at gmail.com. And we hope you don't erase us. We hope you keep us around. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, it's, it's definitely there for you. So and Don't uh, forget the giveaway. Oh, yeah. As well. Yes. We'll talk about that one more time. We're really excited about this. Carpenter uh, pencils. Yeah, we're going to pick six winners uh, on our next episode or around our next episode. So if you want to enter, you need to go to the go to erasable.us slash two to our episode page and leave a comment. And in the comment, we want you to make some kind of pencil-related pun based on a book name or a movie title, something like that. And we'll pick six winners at random from all of our responses. And you'll get a pencil pack from one of the three of us. And then also, on top of that, down the road, we may end up uh, plagiarizing your genius puns and using them. No, I'm kidding. We'll give you credit for it, I guess. But uh, we will use your puns as episode titles so that our uh, listeners can be involved in a, in a cool behind-the-scenes sort of way. Yay! Uh, this one is a Feral to Arms, which Tim came up with, which I love yeah. so much. <laughs> it's pretty great. I got on. A I want to make a cartoon cool. to go with it. Or a tattoo. Yes. My kids were my kids were watching. Yeah, my kids were watching a movie of the call uh, Call of the Wild because like, we just finished reading that in school, and I was just sitting at my desk and just got on a roll and came up with like thirty in a row. And I was kind of kind of obsessive with all my puns. <laughs> so, and I think that was the first one I came up with. So that's pretty great. Uh, feral to arms. Well, with that, we should uh, we should bid you all feral feral. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Take care. See ya.